So before we get to our conversation, we want to give a shout out to our friends at Casper who made today's episode possible. I'm a family guy. I love being as involved as I can with my kids' day-to-day activities. And my functional medicine practice keeps me pretty busy too. It's all good stuff, but it's a lot to balance. And some days I'm wiped out by the time I get home. So in order to do it all again the next day, I need sleep. And there's a lot that goes into a good night's rest, but having a quality mattress is key. Casper makes a really cool, very comfortable mattress with four layers of high-density memory foam and something called zone support. It's an innovative foam framework that contours to each area of the body. People love it because it's soft under your shoulders, but then firmer under your hips. Oh, and the mattress comes delivered to your door in a small box, so it feels like a magic trick. To get your own Casper mattress, go to casper.com and use code GOOPFELLAS for $100 off your purchase of select mattresses. Additional terms and conditions apply. See casper.com slash terms. Hey, Will, how's it going in Pittsburgh? It's going amazing. Fall time is here. It's beautiful. The leaves are changing. And I know living in Los Angeles previously, there is no such thing as true fall. So no, there isn't. <laughs> Actually, it's, you know, this is this is my first autumn in, in Southern California. Um, and I'm going to be back in New York next week, so I'll see some of the some of the change and everything. So, but I, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm so, it's so nice to not be dreading the cold of winter that's on its way in. So I'm, yeah. I'm a little glad for that right now. I'm okay with not having the seasons for, for this year. Maybe I'll miss them next year. But um, yeah, but change is, change is always good. Exactly. So we had a really, really, really interesting uh, human on the podcast today, Shaman Durek. The first time I've actually spoken with a shaman, and you know Shaman Durek, though, right? You've, you've had, yeah, you known we've each known other. each other for years now uh-huh. and a lot of common friends. And I, I'm, I'm excited that we got to actually talk at length on the show and explore this. I mean, we, like, mm-hmm. like you said, we talked about physical health with Alejandro Younger, and now we're kind of digging and delving into the our, our spiritual health which yeah. is just which as he important. also yeah he draws a lot of, of connections to that too connections between the spiritual health and physical health which is interesting exactly yeah. Yeah. and he has a new book out spirit hacking it's shamanic keys to reclaim your personal power transform yourself and light up the world uh, so shaman durek he's a sixth generation shaman and he shares his wisdom with us today on goop Fellas. let's dig right in it sounds like the past 20 years or so you've been in and out of Israel and Turkey and bouncing between different places and through conflict zones. And um, that's just, just, it seems like you're, you're like chasing after places that need resolution that you're, are you, do you feel that you're drawn to that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I basically look at the world and the dilemmas that we're in right now and I'm a type of person that I've always been a, uh, a person who's very much about going into the front line of every situation that manifests, you mm-hmm. know? So if there is like a protest or something that I feel that I can actually make a difference, I'm not going to go somewhere where I don't think I can actually make a difference because then it would just be a waste of my energy. So I believe in appropriating my energy towards things that I know change is going to happen by me infiltrating, you know, like a lot of the way I look at myself is a, I call myself a, um, a loving interruption. So mm-hmm. I'm going in and I'm assessing the situation, sitting 
down with world leaders, sitting down with whoever it is, if it's House of Parliament, if it's world leaders, if it's a certain group, an organization that is having conflict, I go in, I'll start looking at mediation ways to bring a conversation about. Because I think the biggest mistake we've made on our planet is that we get really caught up in the idea of being right. And then Mm -hmm. because someone has a different viewpoint or an idea, we just completely cancel it out. And want to hold that position of stubbornness. And I think that in order for us to be able to evolve, we need to learn how to co-adapt and live within the same space. We don't have to agree with everything that everyone's doing, right. but at least be willing to have an engagement and a conversation that allows people to understand each other. And so that's really where I come in, is like really coming in mm-hmm. to those types of really difficult situations to help people to understand how to facilitate a conversation that is not based on blame or shame or you did this or you did that or you think differently than I do, but where can we find a common thread that we can get back to where we really want to get to, which is for us to feel safe within our own belief systems if if that's the case. And, you know, when you're dealing with, like, Israel and Palestine, you have a situation that was taking place you know, from the whole time of Isaac and Ishmael and, and Abraham, the two sons believing that the promised land was theirs. But when I go there and I spend time in the Gaza Strip and I spend time in Israel and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, I know it's not about what's in the biblical text. I right. know it's about money and I know mm-hmm. it's about power and I know it's about um, having a position of power and money over, you know, the Middle East. And so... I look at how can I support not that system, but support the people to thrive amongst the chaos that they're experiencing from their government that's choosing to make choices based upon profit and gain. Mm -hmm. Do you think that in order for one party or one group to feel secure, it means that the other group has to feel insecure? No. So in tribal culture, we have this thing called the nucleus of awareness. And the nucleus of awareness is that every tribe thrives upon the information and what it knows from what's been passed down from the elders. But that tribe has that information. And at some point, someone in that tribe has to walk away from that tribe to be able to see what's going on outside of the structure of that tribe. That's where shamans come in. So shamans' uh, position is to step outside the tribal culture, look at what's going on, not from a place of judgment. Not from a place of I'm going to analyze the situation because you when you analyze anything, you're only analyzing information that you've already gained off a new information that you're actually being a part of. And that doesn't give you a strong understanding to draw a hypothesis and come to a conclusion. So what, mm-hmm. what happens is you step outside of that and you observe. You observe life, you observe the people and so forth. And so the reason why there's conflict based on what you said is that if a tribe exists onto itself and another tribe exists onto itself that is doing something completely different from the other tribe, the reason why there's war and the reason why we have war on our planet is because that tribe somehow develops an insecurity that whatever this tribe is threatens the very culture, the very um, ideas, and the very foundation in which they stand upon. And in that moment, there's only one way to handle it, which is to wipe out the threat. And so this is how mm-hmm. we've how we how we've matured and we've matured this way on earth because we haven't gained emotional intelligence and awareness of what it means to be sustainable not just within ourselves individually but collectively. You talk about in your book Spirit Hacking about this concept of the great upheaval and the blackout. Can you I found that fascinating and how we're in this this time uh, that you talk about. Can you explain what those terms mean and what that means for us? Uh, Yes. So in every um, time during the evolutionary process of our species, there are certain pivotal points within what I call the turning junctions of consciousness for humanity. 
that take effect on the people who are living in a certain state or region or country or so forth. And what's happening right now is that the magnetic current that's taking place within the dark matter that's in the universe is pulling everything from underneath that we've been stuffing and denying and not taking, um, you know, uh, an understanding to from a place of love. So, so anything that has not been put through the lens of love, put through the lens of understanding, cooperation, communication, um, you know, observance and the ability to thrive within our species, not just as human beings, but from the homo sapien um, idea, but also from the understanding of, you know, the intelligence of nature and animals and respect to the earth and the environment and the way the cycles of the earth operate. And so, so right now, the reason why we call this the time of the great upheaval and all shamans are now stepping forth into the mainstream, uh, such as myself, is because we've been led to, uh, by our elders, 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 elders to at this turning point in, in the junction of life on earth that we this is the very sink or swim moment where we either begin to stop being uh, you know, codependent and, and, and entitled and really start educating ourselves on what it means for us to do a complete uh, reform of our behaviors as a species and as a collective. And so we call this time the great upheaval. Everything that's showing up right now is to stir the pot for humanity, to get all the things and all the sediment that you have not taken responsibility for, which we say in shamanism, responsibility means the ability to show up with love towards. And so human mm -hmm. um, is, at a, is at a junction right now for this pivotal point because, look, if we, if we look at the universe and we understand the quantum realities that we actually live in, and most people think there's a linear projection, but we're actually living in a quantum reality. It means that there is no such thing as a future. So we are actually creating the future on the way we dream and the way that we put our attention onto things, and that attention then draws our intention to create or to not create. So we, we are these powerful beings in this center of the universe – that have the ability to create and destroy. And so far in the patterning of life, we have been operating under the guise of anyone who shows that they have more power, they're the ones that we, we give our respect to, our acknowledgement to, and we don't think independently. And so the system right now is an out of complete, it's, it's completely thrown um, in, in what I call a state of, of chaos. Because the chaos factor is that we keep putting our attention to duality and giving polar opposites its attention and 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 then basing them off of one another so we have like women versus men gay versus straight this versus this this versus that and so when you do that you create what is called a quantum entanglement and that quantum entanglement um, it makes it difficult for human beings to to evolve and co-adapt in the same space together because they begin to start holding on into a, a restriction which we call hoarding and so all of that hoarding means someone has to go without and so in this time right now everything is not just affecting a continent or a state or a place it's affecting us globally. So what's happening to the man in, in, let's say, India is affecting the woman in L.A. who can't pay her rent. And the man who's living in Johannesburg who's having difficulty eating is affecting the person in Cambodia who can't find food or the polar bear who lost its resources. So all of us are being affected even though some people may think they're not, they are. I'm I'm curious though, as you're listening to what you're talking about, my experience and what I've learned from a lot of other people that that I've I've spoken to is that the human brain is much more hardwired for war than it is for for love, and like our default mechanism is one of defense, and it's curious because I think a lot of us, as much as we want to love and we want to be open and we want to make change. 
we get really stuck because our mode is defense, our mode is protection, our mode is survival. Um, how do you, as somebody that like works as a, as a and, and bridging that, you know, the, the, the dimensions and working in love, how do you react to that and how do you help people to get past that? So we have to understand that as you have the body, you have viruses and pathogens and you have, you know, free radicals and you have all kinds of things that can actually affect the body as we look at pathology and we, we study and look at these different aspects. You have the same that happens mentally and you have the same that happens spiritually. So if you're in, in the context of taking a group of people and putting them on an island and telling them that their creator can destroy them or will destroy them if they don't follow certain rules or certain in, um, ideas or concepts or so forth, you develop what we call a subconscious imprint of destruction within your own being to slowly, progressively destroy yourself. So you have, we, we every human being on earth has what we call a destructive cell code that is actually sitting in the deep parts of their subconscious mind that most people don't even realize that the, uh, you know, I, I did this lecture recently in Ireland on the, um, on the sustainable stage uh, at the Vitality Conference. And, you know, I had said to everyone in the audience, if I put a bottle of poison in front of you and you know it's poison and I I said, would you drink this bottle? Raise your hand for all everyone in the room who wouldn't drink. And like 500 people said, I would not drink that bottle. I'm like, but I would say that you're lying because you won't drink the bottle because your focus of it consciously is this is poison. This is going to hurt me. But the unconscious programming that you have because of this code that exists means you will drink the bottle over slow periods of time by the food that you eat, the environment you set yourself in, the conversations you have with your friends, the type of um, things that you actually are exposing yourself to, which will create high inflammation in your body, break down your cells, um, break down your immunity, and eventually lead to the very thing that you're saying you won't do. So... The love context comes in when we separate ourselves from the idea of observing God not as a destroyer of humanity, but as a creator of change through what we call refinement. So in shamanism, we don't look at God or the creator as this Santa Claus theory of, you know, doling out to the good who do good and doling out to the bad who do bad. We don't believe in karma either. We believe that you are everything you say and everything you think you're writing code. And in that code, creation operates. And so when you are operating in the field of, if you want to operate in the field of love, you first have to re, uh, restructure your viewpoint of the creator. Your viewpoint has to be that creation loves you unconditionally no matter what. The moment you do so, the sick in your deep subconscious mind then begins to unravel and the way in which you're able to perceive and understand the world becomes less threatening and less uh, volatile and much more cooperative and engaging. When I, when I read the book, Spirit Hacking, by the way, it's a, a great book. There's so much truth bombs in it for people. Um, you talk about this concept of spirit hacks, and these are like practical things that, that we can do in our life. Can you tell us what a spirit hack is and maybe give us like a, a, a good spirit hack that people can implement in their life? Yeah. So, when you know, the, the way I came up with spirit hacking is this, you know, um, I started looking at one of the major deficits that we have as a culture of people on planet Earth, which we have been kind of indoctrinated in the idea that we come to Earth and we believe in whatever our parents tell us to believe. And then we base our whole idea of choice making based upon if we're good or we're going to get love or we're bad and we're going to be outcasted and we're considered the black sheep. So the consciousness of humanity is born a lot upon um, false understandings of self 
yourself. And so human beings go through life following a narrative of wanting to be good, and they base it on the idea of what's in their bank, how successful they are, who knows them, how many likes they have on Instagram, whatever it is that gives them this accolade of attention. And so what it does is it distorts your understanding of yourself, and it distorts your energetic frequencies, which is your bioenergetic mechanisms in your body, which is the most intelligent resource of your body, because your body is creating synthesis. Every part of your body is communicating to each other daily and functionally to everything that's around you. So a woman who is exposed to aggressive experiences from, let's say, uh, her mom who's constantly complaining, then she goes to lunch with her girlfriends who are constantly talking about the horrible things in the world, and then she's eating really like poor food, like food that has additives and chemicals and just not really good food for to keep a good microbiome and healthy and health in her body. And, and then she's telling herself all types of ideas and thoughts that are really... Um, degrading her mind space. I call it the mind technology, right? So that her synapses are actually running the wrong frequencies and firing off those electrodes, creating impulses through her system to make certain choices based on her perception of those impulses that are firing off certain key elements to make her pay attention to that person walking the street or that person sitting down in the bar or this new movie she might want to go see and whatever. And so the way I came about spirit hacking was realizing that humanity has separated spirit from science and then turned science to focus on the tangible instead of looking at what's not tangible, such as information and energy frequencies and things that are not seen or experienced with the five uh, senses that we have. So I decided, home, you know what, I'm going to take my knowledge in shamanism and I'm going to take my knowledge of the science and I'm going to take my knowledge of the physical plane and begin to teach people how to access that subtle energy field, that awareness point where you're able to uh, to tap into certain aspects of your body and communicate to your system. And so... So basically, the spirit hacking, the book itself is the beginning stages of you having, you know, gaining greater awareness, understanding your environment, understanding how things have gotten a certain way, and how do we start, you know, facilitating change in ourselves. So there are different types of hacks throughout the book. Uh, you know, one of the hacks that I really enjoy is the hack where you're actually learning how to communicate with your own consciousness. Most times we see in the very uh, Western uh, model and even Eastern model um, that has been changed more into the very health and wellness world is everyone talks about meditation, meditation, meditation. And there's all kinds of meditations out there. Don't get me wrong. And some of them are great for people and some of them actually aren't right for people. It's like, just like, you know, the body is built differently and each person has a very different um, experience for someone who does a silent meditation to someone who does chanting to someone who goes on a Zen walk. So the idea of each individual being completely different based on their biological system and their physiology and the way that they're operating in their consensus is based upon a lot of factors. Their upbringing, their social um, structure, how they observe spirit, how they interact in their personal lives, how much time do they actually spend with themselves, and how much of their awareness of themselves are they aware of. So spirit hacking is teaching you how to get in that awareness. So one of the hacks that I love the most is really just tapping, I call it soul talking, where you just start your day and you soul talk yourself. So basically, most human beings don't realize that what comes out of your mouth are codes. And if we look at ancient scripts such as Kabbalah, Sanskrit, the Bible, all of these things exist within this knowledge and this platform of information that your words are creating things going on by what you say because they're unlocking certain codes and frequencies in the patterns of our body, which we're going to learn more about in the future when doctors and shamans start spending more time together and merging their consciousness of 
information, not saying that doctors have to give up what they know or shamans have to give up what they know, but creating a platform for, inter, um, for you know, exchange of ideas and consciousness about how we can actually use all of our resources for healing and not just one idea or one set. So like going back to the understanding of, um, you know, the body, the spirit hacking context is you to soul talk yourself. So I would say, I love how when I walk into a room, I love how I, I lighten up the room. I love how my body is always operating at an optimum level. I love how my system is always creating the highest amount of release of toxins and poisons from my system. So the moment I'm saying these things and I say I love how is speaking in past tense. When you speak in past tense because you live in a quantum universe and there is no such thing as a future until you actually write the future, that past tense becomes your next experience of what people call your now experience, which in shamanism we don't believe in the now. And that then um, creates your next experience of the impulses that you actually get attracted to. Will and I spend a lot of time talking about food. Some might even say that we get a little obsessed, but we know how important it is to nourish your body with what it needs to function at its very best. There's another thing that's crucial for optimal health, and you've probably heard me admit that I've struggled with it, and that's sleep. There are lots of tools out there, but arguably the most crucial component to a good night's sleep is a good mattress. And Casper makes a great one. What's so special about it? The Casper mattress combines four layers of pressure-relieving foam so you stay comfortable all night, and the material's super breathable so you can stay cool while you sleep. Beyond that, Casper is pretty much everything else you need to create the perfect sleep environment. They have bedding, bed frames, and a glow light to help you catch some Zs. Since we ideally spend a third of our lives sleeping, it's worth being comfortable while you do it, right? So check out Casper.com and use the code GOOPFELLAS to get $100 off your purchase of select mattresses. Additional terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms. Something that we didn't define that, that obviously we all know about, but probably we should define it for people that don't know. Uh, how would you define shamanism? Shamanism is an observance of life. So when we're chosen, it's like I was chosen when I was five years old. Um, my father was apprenticed to my grandmother from Africa, who was also a shaman, and then her father, and then his sister, and then the brother, and it kind of just went on and on and on. Shamanism is the element of being able to observe life. So we don't put opinions on things like this is right or this is wrong. We look at things as is it helping humanity thrive? Are people feeling more love? Do people get out? They wake up in the morning. Do they feel like they want to help that woman across the street? Or do they feel like they want to really have a heart, real conversation with life and their family and learn about what their kids are actually experiencing? So shamans, we are considered the ambassadors of bringing bringing that awareness to you. So it's not about us. It's about putting the power back in people's hands and helping them reference their life in a more easier and simplistic way by subtraction versus them reacting all the time and creating all kinds of like anxiety and serotoxins and like cortisol releases that they don't need to go through and just allowing them to step into a place where it's like, hey, you know what? Like you can have an amazing life but you're going to have to cut out all of this 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 stuff that you have going on here and here's the spiritual aspect of your being that's so powerful that you're not you tapping into all of its resources so we're going to create a container of love and we're going to give you some cool tools to play with and then you go and play with them and tell us what you experience and then come back and let's have a conversation about it and so that's really what it's about like when people say they're coming to have a session with me I'm like no 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 my love you're having a session with yourself I'm just here to hold space for you and have fun with you and guide you through this easy and fun process and that's really what it's about. Hmm. Got it. So shamanism isn't a religion. If people are like, is this religious? Is it not? I mean, how would you, what would you say to that? 
No, shamanism isn't based in religion. So it's a so in shamanism we don't have a structure. Like you don't have like I'll give you an example. When you're chosen to be a shaman in any tribal culture or even outside of a tribal culture, the way it works is that you're in communion with spirit, you're in communion with your ancestors, you're in communion with life, and you're in communion with the nature and natural world. So the way you interact in the world, the way you interact in life is based upon your willingness to not be right. It's the it's the idea of complete surrender. It's like I will go and look at a situation without trying to put my viewpoints on it and say it has to be this way or that way. It's about being able to have a conversation with everyone and everyone's input matters. So that way everyone can go, oh, okay, great. I, I hear what you said. I heard what you said. That's amazing. You throw that on the table, that on the table. Okay, now let's now what do can we do to live our best life? To, to to thrive in our species. Because, you know, it's a, a question that just asked me recently in the press was like, what do you think about the stuff that's happening on the earth? And I'm like, earth is such a powerful organism. Earth will freeze over. Earth can make herself completely inhabitable to the human species. We we can go in the street and say, save the trees, save She's the plants. She's always going to win. She's always going to win. <laughs> yeah. She's always going to win, right? The thing is, we have to be in that alignment to thriving yeah. as human beings. We mm -hmm. have to make it the conversation be, yes, the earth is going to do its thing, but we're not going to be able to if we don't fall in, in alignment. And right. so that's, yeah. it's, it, that's, what I, that's what we look at as shamans. And maybe you can also talk to us about your, your death experience because I, I had a very similar experience, and, and it's amazing to me the more people I've met um, – it's as though everybody has the exact same, describes the exact same moment. As far as my death experience, that was a, that was a um, how can I say, a very challenging uh, for me, knowing my whole childhood, teenage years, uh, that I was going to die in when I reached 27 years old. And having spirits repetitively coming, having family members coming to me, and really... Um, helping me to process this idea of death to me was like, oh, I'm just going to change my mind about something or I'm going to have like a mental, you know, catharsis and, I, and that's going to be my death. Mm -hmm. Not literally to the point where I was li living in the jungles of Belize and I was training with uh, two shamans. One was a male, one was a female. And the female was taking the herbs and putting it in this pot with water and she was reading the, the steam coming out. And she said, you know, when you leave the jungle, you're, you're going to die a horrible death. And sure enough, when I did go back, um, I went back to L.A. Mm -hmm. to visit some friends and stuff. And I woke up in the morning and immediately um, my kidneys went out. And I had a 10.6 potassium. Now, you're a doctor. I'm sure you know what a 10.6 potassium level is. Um, yeah. And so you, you can imagine there was no real sense of recovery. But the thing is, I went into first, I went into like six rolling seizures. And then I got sent to the uh, hospital on a stretcher, got into the hospital, was sitting there. My friend Marcus was holding holding my hand, saying, like, it's going to be okay. The hospital is really packed. They're going to come and get us. All of a sudden, the room started turning very liquidy. This woman came to me. She told me that if I fight and and and, and fight the, what was going to happen, that I was going to go through a lot of pain. And the, the thing that I need to do is just to let go. And then I, Marcus was like, who are you talking to? And I was like, I'm going to die. And he was like, no, I'm going to get a nurse. I said, like, please don't leave me. And I was crying. I was like, I don't want to die alone. That was my biggest fear. 
And then I started feeling the stabbing pains. And I, what I registered now, because I know more now about what a 10.6 potassium is, but basically all my organs were shutting down one by one. And I was going into um, each organ shutting. The muscles were shutting down in my body and putting me into a canatonic state. And that for led me into having cardiac arrest because my last muscle was my heart. And that stopped. And that's when I felt like and the, it, it, as the organs were shutting down, as you know, what pota- overload of potassium does because you're a doctor, mm-hmm. um, it's very painful. And so yeah. the pain was so much, I was like convulsing and like my body was thrown and my lungs collapsed and I couldn't breathe. But what happened then was this voice kept saying something to me. And then my grandmother's voice came in. And then the woman said to me, let go, child let go. And so I let go. And I saw myself in the hospital and I saw the hospital room. And I saw the people, you know, doing what they were doing. And I could see in every angle. It wasn't like I saw like the way I see now, where I have a peripheral vision and I have a front vision and I can't see behind me. I could see in 360 view from above and below. I could hear everyone's voices and their thoughts. So I could hear their thinking and their talking. And then my grandmother was there, my aunts were there, a couple uncles were there, and they said to me, this part you have to deal with yourself, And uh, but we're with you. And I was in this liquid, this black, it was like I was like an ocean or something. I was in this black liquid, colors I've never seen before, like moving through me, like all around me. I can't even, the colors were so vibrant and so beautiful. I've never, I remember later on in life, I used to go buy crayon sets to see if I could find this color that I saw hmm. and I couldn't find the color. The sounds were like, and um, and then all of a sudden I was in a hospital room watching my mother give birth to me and I was experiencing myself being birthed while I was watching her. And then it went from every sequence of my life, from every person I talked to, touched, communicated with and experienced what I did to them, how it affected their lives, how it affected the next person's life, and all of it simultaneously, quantumly, until finally it just was all this uh, acknowledgement of love. And then this light came, and it was like a liquid again, and I was going through this light, and then I and it was so warm. I never found the warmth of that light because it was a radiant warmth. And then... Um, I saw the earth slipping away. Like I saw like the, almost like, you know, when you see like the earth is like gone, it's like moving away. Mm-hmm. And then I was on the beach and I didn't have a body. And um, this woman came and she didn't speak with her mouth. She was speaking consciously to me. And when I look up at the sky, I could hear sounds like beautiful music playing, almost like music that was created from me. And then I saw other people and I didn't have hands or fingers. And she said, what kind of body would you like to have? Would you like, what, what, how do you envision yourself? And I said, I envisioned myself the way I was before. And immediately my hands came. The only difference was I couldn't feel my bones. I didn't have any bones. And I didn't feel like right now I feel dirty when I'm here back on earth. I have this like things crawling on me. I can feel hot and cold sensations in my legs and my back. Like, you know, just sensations that I didn't mm-hmm. feel there. It mm-hmm. was very warm. And it was like the best way I explained it to my friends was like the best blanket you've ever had, the best conversation you've ever gotten into, the best um, experience of food you've ever eaten, like Mm -hmm. everything that you could imagine is the best. Multiply that by a thousand and that warmth with it, this radiating warmth, all was there. And the first thing uh, she said to me was, um, I know you have a lot of questions. And I said, I do. 
And she said, go ahead and ask. I was like, why is there war? Why do people hurt each other? Why do people, you know, like I, I just went on mm -hmm. all these these very, you know, humanistic questions of why we do the things that we do on this planet when we can really enjoy each other. And the message I got was an answer for all of them. And it was malfunction in thinking. Humans mm. think against themselves and against everything around them. And therefore, the because they are the creators of code, everything they think has to be created. And so therefore, they think against themselves. And then um, she said, would you like to see your family members that you that you that your family members who are here are friends? I wanted to see a friend of mine before I saw my family members. I had this friend named Josh Yortz who I went to school with when I was a kid and he died in a car accident. And I went and visited him and we laughed and had a good time. And then I spoke to my grandmother and my family and it was like it was the most amazing experience there. You can create anything you you choose to create there. And it's one giant playground. It's the most beautiful experience and they came to me and they said to me you know do you want to go back to earth because we keep we keep getting a message that you want to go back to earth and I said I do and I said but I don't want to go back with my memory erased I want full memory they said well if you come back with full memory then you're always going to teeter-totter on the idea of knowing this place exists and do you want to stay on earth when you see everything the way it's going to how everything is However, you don't you whenever you want to come home, you just let us know and we'll bring you home. And I was like, I don't want to go back. And they said, okay, when you go back, you're going to go through a lot of suffering for many years. And you're going to be, they showed me everything. You're going to be in a wheelchair. You're never going to walk. The doctors are going to tell you you're not ever going to walk, but you're going to walk. Like they, they said, everything's going to take time, but you're going to understand what you, what, what needs to happen from that point on. And we'll be there with you the whole way. And then we went back to the beach and there were all these people, we were all hugging each other. I was hugging these women, this little boy, this older man, like all these people from all life. And we all walked into the water together and I was going through space. I saw stargates, I saw other planets, and then I came to Earth and I went back in my body and it was the most painful experience because they were shocking me and giving me adrenaline at the same time. And I kept slipping, wow. and they put me in a coma. And when I woke up, I have these marks on my hands, which I can you can see. Mm -hmm. in the, and they put me in restraints because they said they were in, they inundated me with that tube, and they put the clamp on my mouth, which I'm sure you know what it is. And I was on life support, and they I kept pulling the tube out supposedly when I was in, and they didn't understand why. And so they put my hand in restraints, and that was my experience, you know. And wow. um, and there's no way that you can go f through that experience and not be changed. So was that a realization when you healed and, and came out of what the health crisis that you went through physically? Did you know that you know that you knew like that you your calling in this life was to be a shaman? I knew before I died my calling was in this life to be a shaman, but I, di I did what I call um, the sidestep. I would be the shaman sometimes, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then in the other times I was out partying and listening to house music and like, you know, and having fun <laughs> and traveling and like, you know, hobnobbing it with people and whatnot. And um, it didn't, it, when I actually went through the whole death experience, eight years on dialysis, in a wheelchair for a year and a half, you have a lot of time to think. And yeah. you, you have a lot of time to, to process what's important to you. And what I realize is important to me is people. And the survival of our species. I love people so much. It's um, it's everything that I wake up for and live for every single day. What I care about is 
um, simplifying life for people to the point where we get back to happiness, when we get back to connecting with the person for real instead of just like treating them like they're a stranger. When you actually can sit on a bench with an older man and listen to his wisdom, what's important is your elders, your grandparents, your family members, your friends, you know, the flower that's sitting in front of you that's actually dying that would love for you to give it a little bit of attention. These things are Mm -hmm. the key points that I live by. And having an amazing team that wakes up every single day and support that message of love as it's it to me is all and it's all it's so fulfilling you know um yeah. and that's what matters to me most is putting totally. the power back in people's hands i'm not i'm not yeah. into this lay down and do as i say behavior that i see in the world i honestly believe that we are, can go further and and greater in who we are um, as human beings on the planet, if we just are willing to just take that step, there's a point in life where we we have a, we have a, we have a choice in how we choose to operate, and you know you could choose to be a spiritual person or a wellness expert or whatever, but the moment you put yourself above your brothers and sisters is the moment you have fallen from grace, and I believe very strongly in this. I meet so many people who like like call themselves luminaries and they're better than this and they're I am not better than any of you. I am in this together and any spiritual person who you go to, even if it's a wellness expert who tells you that they are they are to be put on a pedestal and worshiped is not someone you really need to be putting your energy with because humbleness and humility paves the road to transformation and and um and and change for humanity. And I'm very clear about that because I don't know everything. And in truth, I really know nothing. And I learned by talking to people. I learned by communion. I learned by sitting down with people, hearing their views and their ideas about the world. And every time, even with my own with my own team, you know, that is so lovingly putting their energy daily, I'm always asking them, what's your counsel? What's your counsel? What's your counsel? Because, you know, we're in this thing together. And I think the moment you you propose yourself above another person, you make that you basically create this idea that that person isn't able to to receive the information. I believe in laying a buffet for people and say, eat what you want, take what you want. Love it. I love it. Wow. That was a lot of mind bending information, right? I mean, it's good, good stuff. And yeah. Stuff that I, I need to absorb, I think. I know. It's <laughs> kind of hard to keep track of it all. There's a lot of information. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I love a lot of what he, what he talked about. And he had this one, one thing he said at the end, which I love, which is just talking about love, which, mm-hmm. you know, is something that doesn't necessarily always come so intuitively to us and the importance and power of it. Exactly. And I think that when it comes down to it it's a bigger message of as he said we don't always have to agree with people we don't always have to see like eye to eye on everything or even understand it but it's just seeing the humanity in other people and i think in our world today where there's so much tribalism so much division and separation like he said us versus them and this sort of polar perspective that our world has that's driven by you know so many different things on social media and in politics Mm -hmm. it's very divisive i think that that's the the core message that i got out of our conversation with with shaman durek is that we need to come together to find that humanity uh in in each other amen so check out his new book, Spirit Hacking, out now. And if you want to follow him on social media, he's at Shaman Durek, that's S-H-A-M-A-N-D-U-R-E-K. And 
His website is shamandurek.com for everything about uh, his book tour and everything he's got going on. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. All right, it's time for another edition of Ask Me Anything. My boyfriend is lacking a good group of guy friends. Where do you meet friends as an adult? Claire has asked this question. Great yep. question. It's a problem in our culture. I think we're so isolated um, with technology and we're busy and we are quote unquote connected, but we are actually very unconnected mm-hmm. in so many ways on just a human to human level. And we have a, an epidemic of loneliness, I think, in our culture and for women and for men, everybody. Um, so I would say... I think some sort of athletic group can be a great social outlet. So maybe joining a gym, if they enjoy that sort of thing. To but get yeah, but I would say group fitness rather than just joining a gym. Yes, yes. Because then you still have to be like, hey, buddy, can you give me a spot? And then, <laughs> so what are you doing on Friday? You want to get a beer? <laughs> yeah, I, I should have clarified that. Yeah. Group, group fitness class, like CrossFit with a you know, properly trained, obviously, instructor or some cycle class where you can have a sense of, community. I think yeah. that is an entry point for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm new, relatively new to Los Angeles, even though I do have a lot of friends in LA. Um, having recently just relocated from New York, I don't necessarily have the same kind of community that, that I developed over time in New mm-hmm. York. But one of the things that I've done is uh, it has been group fitness. So going to yoga class, I found a, a place on, in Santa Monica on the beach where people go and, and do acro yoga at sunset. And I've met a bunch of really cool folks that way. Mm-hmm. And if Developing community is important to you. You have, you have to make an effort. Yeah. So understanding that, reaching out and, and making plans with people that you may have met that seem interesting to you, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that it may not actually work out. You may, it may not be friend buddies or friend mm-hmm. dating or whatever, but you might actually meet people that are really, really cool. I, I'm, a, I'm a mountain biker, so anytime I end up meeting a lot of people on the trail mountain biking, and then we end up riding together exchanging numbers and and riding again so mm-hmm. cycling to me having a having a shared sport is really yeah. good i've met so many people through cycling yeah and i think finding something you're passionate about and then there are meetup groups you can find online yeah. to use the the power of the internet to connect you to connect to people in in real life yeah i mean that's a great point find find what you're passionate about and then find other people that are also passionate about the same thing because then at least you have a you have a mutual point of interest yeah that's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.